0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is the greatest football player of all time, speaking, and possibly the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, my name's Tommy Coglin, if you've never heard of me. I'm uh, pretty good at sports, and I'm a pretty good-looking guy, and I'm back here for the 63rd episode of Pipe It Up. Cue the intro. <laughs> We are back again. It is another Tuesday, and it is another episode of the greatest podcast on earth, some would say. And I am joined once again by my co-host, Jack Agner. Jack, how are we doing? We're
1: doing well, Tom. We got a new mic here for mm-hmm. me for these virtual podcasts that we're doing.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully this
1: sounds good for, for all you listeners. It sounds really good in my headphones. I'll just say that. So we'll <laughs> see what the final product turns out like, but uh, happy to be here as always.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I agree. Glad to get Jack a microphone. He's looking official. He's in his bedroom. He's got a little mic stand up, got the headphones on. He's looking good. But we got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to be honest, Jack. And uh, did you catch the latest MLW video?
1: I did, actually. I did. I good think... old-fashioned battle between the birds and the snakes.
0: The old birds and the snakes, and not the snakes that wear red and blue. The snakes that wear the old the old brown and gold or the beige and, the beige and white, as, as they have a couple of uniforms now. But Mallard's D-backs. I think a lot of people were sleeping on this series and um, I guess weren't necessarily looking forward to it because it didn't have a whole lot of impl- implications. You know, the Diamondbacks have already clinched the one seed in the National League. The Mallards have already been eliminated from playoff contention. However, games still got to get played. Um, we got to finish up and wrap up the regular season as Jimmy Norp tries to further his case for the MVP. And the Diamondbacks wound up taking this series 2-1. to one. Jack, what were your impressions of the series overall?
1: Well, first of all, Kind of hitting on what you said, although it didn't have a ton of implications, I I actually really liked this video because I felt like it just gets back to what we talk about all the time. That wiffle ball is about having fun and, you know, having a good time with your friends and your teammates out there. And you could tell that's what both squads were doing. You were obviously able to give uh, Davenport some, a a better shot on the mound. Um, And I honestly thought that, uh, you know, for playing the Diamondbacks, the Mallards did pretty good. And um, I think you guys have a lot to build on for next year, especially with those draft picks that you guys got stashed away. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, good series, I thought. Um, And, yeah, you you know, what what did you take away from that, Tom?
0: Um, You know, like you said, it was was refreshing to kind of play a series with not a lot of, I guess, pressure on me or my teammates as well. I think it was important for us after a, a rocky season to kind of go out there have some fun, try and regroup, and try to build some sort of base layer of confidence heading into the next season against a very good Diamondbacks team. So, I was kind of my goal was just kind of have it more as a team bonding thing, not to put pressure on anybody, but um, you know, still focus on the game, focus on having productive at bats, and actually try to get better against great pitching in both Jonah Heath and Jimmy Norp. So, um, my takeaway is, you know, I think I've kind of said it all year about the Mallards, but um, this kind of solidified it as well as. You know, our pitching, even though we got rocked a little bit in that series with with Caden, without Trevor, you know, we had Caden and we had Davenport. But Davenport had never pitched before, um, and Caden doesn't have a whole lot of experience pitching, you know, with our format of the game. But, um, you know, they got it over the plate. They threw strikes, um, and Davenport gave us, you know, productive innings. It wasn't like they were beautiful. You know, they knocked them around a little bit too in addition to Caden. But, like, both arms were serviceable in a sense. However, we still struggled at the plate. You know, we still struggled at the plate. And, um, you know, we got around to Shima there in game three with, you know, that's a guy that we should be putting up, you know, six runs per inning against. No no offense to Shima, but he knows he's not a pitcher either. So um, I was happy we had at least a little rally going, and it was cool to see, you know, with uh, two outs in that ballgame, you know, everybody in our lineup being productive and getting some hits. So um, that made me feel better a little bit about our bats, even though it was against Shima. At least we got something going. We just hadn't scored a lot of runs in so long. But um, I just think that we have we need we need to improve in every aspect of the game moving into next year. You know, we have pitchers who, like I said, are kind of serviceable, assuming they improve over the off season. But we don't really have like an ace right now. Um, I still think I have like ace potential, but I need to do a lot of work now that I'm becoming healthy again. I need to you know get my arm and body back into shape and you know bring the arsenal back up to where it was in 2017, 2018, 2019. So. Um, that's one big thing that needs to keep us in ball games is keeping the, the damage down on the defensive end. But, you know, at the plate, we have just a tremendous amount of work to do, and, you know, I don't know if it's our... I feel like we have decent approaches, but mm-hmm. something is not clicking. You know, I think we all have potential, as we saw in that last inning, to smoke the ball, and I think a lot of it's confidence in feeding off of each other, but it's just how yeah. do we actually put it together and execute in the games? Because we saw earlier in the season, you know, there was... I think there was multiple games where Caden and I both homered and, and they were like, I think both times in the same inning, you know, I can maybe we're guys who like to feed off of each other and we do better when there's less pressure on our shoulders, you know, but when you're always, you know, when you're, you're always down a couple of runs and you have a zero on the board and you're thinking it's, if I don't get a hit now, like my teammates are going to get out and that kind of thing. It's not a very healthy environment to to thrive in. So, um, like I said, there's a ton, things, there's a ton to improve on. But, I thought,
1: what was that? what did you say?
0: I said there's a lot to improve on is, you know, a takeaway that I have. I'm not going to say that we're, right. oh, we're looking good for next season. That's not quite true yet, but, um, you know, we got time to change that. So,
1: But along those lines and building off that, I think my first instant takeaway was that Davenport has practiced wiffle ball. Like mm-hmm. his windup was a little funky, but it was pretty smooth. And you could tell that he's done that a million times. I thought his pitches moved a lot, and I thought that, um, like you said, he put it over the plate and has a lot of upside there. Yes, they were hitting the ball, but you also are playing the best hitting team in the league. So it's kind of tough for him to step into that and just come out and just be a stud ace in that series. As far as the hitting goes, I don't know how great of a tip this is, but I think Caden just needs to swing harder like he hits the ball a lot mm-hmm. but like I, he just it felt like to me like he had so many pop-ups or like balls that he would get under and he's like a he's a big kid right like yeah. he swings hard he could even miss hit one and kind of get lucky with the wind and get a home run maybe but since mm-hmm. it's like it, and it's part of the confidence thing that you said too yeah I think he's still trying to dial it in with with the rules in our league compared to what he's used to playing but I think if he can just get that confidence in his swing and swing harder, even when he does maybe, you know, not connect with the ball perfect, it'll, it'll still breed better results.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's actually, um, you know, I don't want to take away our conversation on this series, but you know, we kind of, we kind of covered it. It wasn't super, a super meaningful series. Um, it was cool as to the Diamondbacks finish off a strong year and all that kind of stuff, but you talked about swinging hard and, um,
1: how it's, good did that Grand Slam
0: feel, Tom? Oh, it felt great, and I did swing hard at it, and the goal was oh, to kill yeah, the ball. Oh yeah, can tell. But yeah, it was funny. Like I remember, like as soon as I like hit it, and like I did like a little bat flip. I'm like, this is embarrassing. I just bat flipped off of Michael Shima, and we haven't won a game in two months. <laughs> like this is what my career has come to. <laughs> but no, hey, it, it did. A it did feel good, and yeah, um, like I said, it was a relief. And you know, it's important too that um, you know I don't want to think I don't want our fans to think that we were going out there just like. Going through the motions and trying to get things done, or like just get it over with. No, we were trying to win those games. Obviously, Davenport's trying to prove himself, and um, as you saw there, we rallied late. You know, our last game of the season, we were still we tried to the very end this year. Um, we get we gave it our all. We really did. Just we just we struggled and uh, did not get the results we wanted. But you mentioned swinging hard, and um, you said Caden has that issue, and maybe he does. I really have to evaluate it more. I guess maybe try to give him some pointers. But, you know, it's hard to be giving pointers. And I'm, I, myself, am also kind of, you know, being subpar to play it as well. But I should say that as well, too. But. <laughs> th- this, this weekend, this past weekend, um, we sent a team to the NWLA tournament in Indianapolis. We call ourselves the MLW All-Stars, you know, the MLW National Team kind of thing. And I was on the team. And um, I don't really know how I got to this point. But we were facing some pretty good arms, basically. And, I was, and the fences are deep here. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to start taking absolute hacks. And I kind of started to do that as well at our tournaments in August, both the Whiffle and the Mitten and the Illinois tournament. And to be honest, I was making way more contact and I was hitting the ball hard. So I think yeah. like my whole contact mindset of Whiffle Ball, it does work sometimes where I hit like little dribblers and I'm safe at first base. But I think next year I'm going to start taking hacks, man.
1: Dude, that's what's what, like, been my game plan since I've stepped into the league. And the way I always thought about it was are you gonna swing hard and miss? Yes, but you're also gonna swing hard and like even if you miss hit it, it's gonna be a hard ball on mm-hmm. the ground or like a hard line drive that's got a lot of spin, that's tough to handle. Mm-hmm. And like if you're trying to hit for a home run, right? Like, like I said, yes, you're gonna miss but there's still going to be those hits where it doesn't go over the fence and you still get on base just because you hit it so hard. It's kind of like in like even in like hockey or lacrosse like you you don't even necessarily aim, you just shoot it you as hard it. as you can. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll get lucky where the goalie will might even see it, but he doesn't get his hand or his glove to the puck or like doesn't get his stick to the ball quick enough and it still goes in.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think it was a t- like I felt like me, like, swinging hard, like, also, like, my little contact swing I've been doing with kind of, like, very little to no stride in MLW is, is not a good baseball swing. I'll acknowledge that. I used to have a great, you know, a great swing playing baseball and stuff. Swing sucks now. It's very loopy. Um, It's all hands, that kind of thing. But this harder swing thing, too, I think is also improving, like, my timing. Like, actually taking a stride, getting my foot down, and then, like, going with the lower half first, it seems to be really improving my timing. And I saw a decent oh, amount yeah. of success here. Um, at the NL- NWLA tournament. I want to talk to you a little bit about that tournament, Jack. Are you familiar with it at all or not too much? Never heard of it. So, I, really, I should know more about it because I've I played in it twice now. But it's essentially, you know, I, I want to call it, it's not, if you've been to an MLW tournament, it's not quite the same. You know, MLW tournaments, you know, we provide a little bit more of a, you know, a pitcher-friendly environment with, you know, a little bit closer mounds, um, we have it more focused on you know having fun while competing and you can sign up as many teams as you want you know bring everybody bring your family all that kind of stuff and just have fun and have it very focused on you know interacting with fans meeting us all that kind of stuff so this tournament is not really one run by like a popular league or anything but it's run by you know a committee of people and it's more of like an invitational type thing where only a select number of leagues go each year and it's kind of like leagues bring like an all-star team type thing. So we went in 2019. um, We were a little short-staffed, but we had myself, Kyle, Brennan Russell, and Alec Warda, and we kind of got our feet wet in that environment. And the environment I'm talking about is it's 48 feet away from home plate for pitching, which MLW is only about 38 feet, for example. And it's fast pitch, so no speed limit, and then an unscuffed ball. So it's a very, very different feel, and it's a very, very competitive environment. You know, you have guys out here who have been playing the game for a very, very long time. So, But it's, it's also it's a fun experience. So we went out there this weekend, and um, this time around our all-star team that we brought was myself, Kyle Schultz, Chris Cheatham, Jimmy Norp, and Nick Sailor. So a little World bit more lineup. talented than we had previous years. But it was a lot of fun, and it was new. You know, I had never really played with Cheatham or Nick in any event. Um, I didn't really know Cheatham, like, really well at all as a person, so I got to hang out with him a lot more, as well as Jimmy. I'd never spent a ton of time with Jimmy as well, so it was cool. But we road road tripped down to Indianapolis on Friday evening, and we actually played a night game at the Dirt Yard, which is, like, the hosting um, venue's main field. And then the rest of the weekend we played at a local, like, elementary school on, like, just a field made of spray paint and then some, like, temporary fencing, but I want to talk about this tournament because uh, old Tom, old man Tom, you guys see that he's uh, he's kind of, you know, degrading in his old age of 22, he's, he's striking out at the plate, he can't throw a strike on the mound, but I, I had a pretty good weekend, Jack, I'm not going to lie, and it was to the point where it was kind of funny, to be completely honest with you. Really? Um, you guys may have saw on our social media that Kyle posted, was like, for everyone hating on Tom, he hit three home runs, and he's hitting everything kind of thing. I think people were giving me flack when they like posted the roster and I was on there, like, oh, why is Tommy on there kind of thing. I didn't see anything, but yeah, yeah. Kyle was telling me. So, I mean, they were, they were proving to be right at first. We were playing a very, very good team in our first game of double elimination. Um, the team name is OCWAWA, I think, something like that. It's a lot, a lot of letters. But anyway, it's like two leagues that combined phenomenal talent, um, they, they are um, A couple of them are MLW fans, but they've been around a long time on the East Coast. So the guy who's throwing is throwing absolute gas. Um, we're struggling a little bit, but I shouldn't say we're. I'm struggling a little bit. Jimmy, Cheatham, and Sailor are all just such talented hitters is what I learned this weekend. Anyone that was thrown at us, there was, those three just adjust so well and really prove to me how athletic they really are. And it's honestly incredible to watch. I'm sitting there like, these guys are insane doesn't matter what's thrown at us. It's just Jimmy hitting a line shot or Chris battling deep into an at-bat or it's Sailor hitting an absolute bomb. And I'm like, these guys are just incredible. So we're facing this really good arm and they have a good team. And we're down um, several runs at this point. It's probably like six or seven to one. I want to say Sailor hit a solo shot, of course, because he's amazing. And I hadn't even touched a ball yet in this game. I'm like 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 with 4 Ks. And I'm like, this is just (laughs) (laughs) miserable. So... I'm I'm like having a good time though, you know what I mean. I'm out there, I'm Mm -hmm. joking around with the guys, I'm being like overly sociable, talking about how bad I am and joking around, just trying to keep it light and keep the game moving, you know. So I go in there for like my fifth at bat, and I, if you guys have ever seen Rookie of the Year, you know when Henry goes up to bat and like puts his feet in the corner of the batter's box and like stands there like he's scared. (laughs) I, I like did that kind of as a joke, and Kyle was filming, we thought it was funny. So I get in there, I do that for a pitch, and the kid threw a ball. And I was like, just stay there. And I was like, nah, I actually want to try and hit. Like, this is stupid. I want to see if I can actually hit one of the better pitchers in the nation. So, very next pitch, I somehow go yard. I hit a bomb. And I'm just like, I'm like literally laughing, being obnoxious around the bases. I'm like, how did this happen? I'm like, this is an easy game. It's simple. You just put the bat on the ball. It's easy. And (laughs) they all know I suck. So, it was hilarious. So, I come. I think Jimmy gets out next, and the inning ends. And then I'm all like, I'm all hyped. The next inning, like I'm just being obnoxious, talking like I'm really good, even though I'm not. Just trying to have fun type thing. So then the next inning, I think I'm leading off again, and I'm like, All right, boys, here we go. Another dinger, guaranteed. And they're all laughing at me. <laughs> and I go up there, first pitch. Guy throws me another smoke ball, absolute smoke. And I just hit a tank. Like this one was farther than the, the first one. And I'm like, What is going on? I'm like, What is happening right now? What? I didn't even know what to say. I mean, maybe
1: we got to change the MLW rules to cater to Tom. I know. Throw well, some heat.
0: I was saying so is I,
1: it? Do you think, like, wh- when you connect with the ball, since they're throwing it harder, like, is it easier to hit it? Like, like, once, or is it going farther once you connect with it?
0: I mean, it's a wiffle ball on a plastic bat, so not a ton. But, like I said, I was taking daddy hacks. I was swinging super hard, like, just because I had nothing to yeah. lose, kind of thing. And right. the first at bat, Kyle does have on video from like the side, and my swing was loopy and not good. I don't know how it honestly got over. The fences are mm-hmm. deep. This is not cheap shots. This is a, this is a ninety foot plus home run. Right, right. But the second one, man, I had some confidence in me. Did a little leg kick and like, a good swing, and I, I smacked it. It's so funny. <laughs>
1: I love the name. Too. I'm still the, laughing the name thinking of the park, about it. The dirt yard.
0: Yeah, the dirt yard. That it's, is gritty. It is. It's a gritty name. It's a really really cool field. I'm sure you guys will see it. Like I said, Google it if you want to see it.
1: But it was just uh, so
0: funny, man. Because, you know, I'm sure he was so, like, irritated. He's like, this kid's here laughing, joking about how much he sucks, and he's taking me deep twice (laughs) twice in a row. It was so funny, bro. I can't even describe it. I don't know. It was just funny.
1: Of course, it's, like, a little bit different with uh, the rules, but as far as, I mean, whether or not it's harder to hit or whatever, as far as the actual movement of the ball, Mm -hmm. since they're not scuffed, but the mound is farther and you can throw it harder? Are the balls, like, does it kind of equal out? Like, are the balls moving the same amount? Or are they not moving as drastically? They're just moving faster.
0: So, yeah, I'd say, you know, like, okay, so the the good pitchers in, and there's a lot there, you know, like I said, the nation's top talent is there. I'd say the guy we were facing in that game, and if Wiffle kind of sewers or if I'm listening to this, I could be completely wrong, but I'm going to guess he's in the top, 10 probably top 10 to 15 pitchers in the nation. Okay. There are some guys that are really good throwing I think he only threw like high eighties where some guys can sit like mid 90s kind of thing. But wow. um they all kind of throw like a it's a pitch where you grip like if you're a right hander, you grip it with the holes facing to the left, and when you throw it kind of like overhand like a baseball as hard as you can, it kind of like cuts down and away from you as a right handed hitter. So kind of okay. like kind of like it's kind of like a slurve, but it comes in okay. really fast, obviously. But it's very uh, like a very controlled movement kind of thing. Like it's very, it moves very smoothly to the plate, even though it's very fast. So if your timing's there and like you know what's coming, you know you can adjust to it. And that's why I said Norp, and Sailor and Cheatham are all having very good at bats. And even I had some success against it because, I mean anyone right. can, anyone can really hit a fastball, especially at our like at our level of play. You know we can hit a pitch no matter how fast it is, really, as long as we kind of know what's happening. Mm-hmm. and he really wasn't mixing it up too much against us. He was throwing, like, one other pitch, but he was pretty much just throwing that, that like, so-called fastball, even though it's a slurve over and over and over again. So it was only a matter of time before I probably adjusted got lucky at least a couple times. But regardless, it was impressive, and people that were watching were, like, impressed and surprised. So was I. So I guess to answer your question, I would say, like, from, yeah, nothing is moving as much as, like, a Daniel Schultz knuckle drop Right, but stuff is coming at you a lot, lot faster, like way less reaction time because guys are throwing so hard. so I don't know it's it's just different. It's really hard to describe it. It's just different,
1: and who is determining, like you said this guy like is probably in the top ten mm-hmm.
0: like based on what based on I mean, it's hard to explain because some of you guys who listen to this podcast may only be like m l w fans like who found us on YouTube kind of thing and just have fell in love with the league and the players that are involved. But there is, like, a community of people out there who are genuine fans of, like, the sport. And there is a real community of leagues. Like I said, we were just at a tournament that had 18 different leagues that sent Mm -hmm. all-star teams to it. So there's committees that have formed that rank players. And I think this pitcher I was facing, we we faced, they started against us. Um, I think he's actually a top 10 nationally ranked player. We've had MLW guys on this list, by the way, but I don't think we've cracked, like, Forty-five or fifty nationally on this list. I was ranked wow, like. really. I was ranked like, I, th- I want to say it was either seventy-nine or eighty-two. Like two years ago, I was ranked, but I'm not ranked anymore. So I think wow. he's a top ten, a top ten guy, but he's also like, probably, he's probably, um, unanimously like a top three hitter in the nation. I would think he wins the home run derby everywhere he goes. Like he can just go in there and flat out hit bombs. But I don't know like how good his contact is and averages kind of thing. Uh-huh. so anyway so his ranking might be higher than top 10 nationally but i'm saying pitching why he's probably only 10 to 15 it would be my right guess.
1: and the but there's a real committee the,
0: of people who who like sit down and go through the leagues and the players and rank the guys you know that's how much people care about the sport like guys so like Trent. these
1: leagues that are in this committee are all, are they all playing with the same rules and are these rules um like similar to ours with like pegging and base running or is it more just like pitching and hitting
0: you know, each league is a little bit unique. You know, the tournament we were at this weekend has a very, you know, unique set of rules. Like I said, it's 48 feet, unscuffed balls. Um, there is base running, and you can peg the runners, but it's kind of hard to explain. Like, force outs are done via pitcher's hand, if you know what that is, Jack. Like, so, say there's you got to cr- get it
1: back to the pitcher. Yeah, you get
0: it back to the pitcher, and as long as the ball beats, if the ball is to the pitcher's circle, you know, to the pitcher, before he gets to first base, before the first force out is made, then the lead runner is out kind of thing yeah. so it's, it's different and then some leagues play with um like a sidewalk scuffed ball like we do from a shorter distance with a speed limit some leagues do that from farther away with no speed limit some leagues will have it where you can bring your own ball so you can actually like n- use a knife and scuff your ball and do custom scuff patterns for certain pitches this tournament we're going to um in october uifs in pennsylvania is a bring-your-own-ball tournament, but it's one ball. You only have one ball per inning, so you can pick whatever you want. But you can't have like a different ball for each kind of pitch. Like you can't bring a b- a bag of slider balls and a bag of screwball balls. Right. Just, you just get one right. per inning. So, and some leagues run bases, some leagues don't. Some have pegging, some don't. Some have a six-ball three-strike count. This tournament we were at this weekend is five balls for a walk and three strikes for an out. Some leagues don't have walks. Sometimes the count just resets, and you keep going. It's every league is is just different. That's kind of, you know, it's you know, wiffle ball is a backyard game. Anyone can start the league yeah, for cool. for five ninety nine. So everyone can kind of um, play to their liking and however they adjust to it and whatever they're comfortable with, you know. And I think everywhere you go, every t- event you go to, you'll have certain guys who like the format, maybe don't like the format, but the guys who are very successful are the ones that can kind of adjust to any style of play. And I think, speaking on behalf of MLW, I think we adjusted very well to hitting because we're used to using the yellow bats, not bigger bats. Um, we had good mm-hmm. hitters there, so we hit the ball phenomenally. We actually finished, believe it or not, Jack, I think uh, number 4 out of 18 in batting average, our team.
1: In batting average? Yeah, we
0: finished 4th overall in batting average.
1: How did you guys finish like, in the tournament?
0: Tournament, we were knocked out in the round of there was 12 teams remaining. We got knocked out, so we're top 12 finish. We had okay. we, we could have made it farther i w- I would like to maybe get other guys that were there as well um a perspective on it hear about their experience. We had a lot of fun too, but we were winning our um our last elimination game seven to three going into okay. the fifth out of six innings, and then um we just ran out of arms, man. We were all exhausted from pitching from that distance you know two three days in a yeah. row, so we unfortunately um ended up losing that ball game nine to seven so top twelve um not we I wanted to do a little better to be honest with you. Well, like I said, we adjusted well to, pit, to hitting, but we still have a lot of work to do from pitching from that style. But
1: well, that's really even eye-opening for me because I might be in the categories you kind of alluded to with some of the devout MLW fans that sort of think that wiffle ball begins and ends with MLW. Cause oh yeah. I just Like I, I, I did not know that. I mean, that means we're basically in the bottom third of this national tournament of mm-hmm. teams, mm-hmm. and that was our all-star team. I don't think you could argue that we could have put together a better team for that tournament
0: no uh, you're 100 right so and, that's um, pretty
1: cool honestly like there's guys we're, we're definitely not at the top
0: no no we're not at the top and um there's guys there that have been playing this tournament for 10 plus years you know it's crazy and um i really commend i'm gonna i'm gonna sound so old here but i i look at these guys who are in their upper 20s lower 30s and i'm like man oh man you guys have arms of steel like i don't know how you guys do this but it's It's crazy, man, and, um, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into MLW and our league and our channel, but, um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who are putting in probably just as much effort as I am, you know, and, and they don't have a spotlight. They don't have, you know, fans that watch them, and it's cool to see that a lot of guys are there. I'm not saying I'm not necessarily but i'm just saying a lot of guys are there just because they love the game and there's a lot of people like that it's just a very it's a strong community man there's 18 teams there 18 different leagues that had teams there it's a it's a growing community and we've helped contribute to that growth you know through mlw and i'm sure we'll see a lot more popular leagues grow over the years that were started because of us so it's super cool
1: that's awesome if i if i make the cut i'm going to that tournament next year because that just sounds so cool
0: you know jack i'll be honest you were you were talked about when we were there we were we were because a lot of other teams will bring like twelve guys and like only though like five guys are playing, they just have the entourage of everybody like getting hype and everything. I'll be the it's, entourage. It's I'll super be the, I have cool. no problem being so, the entourage. So we were like we were like, We need like guys who are here getting us hype and keeping us energized and like, I was like like who would be a good guy for that? And the first thing I was like, Jack would be sick at this tournament. I would love having Jack here and everyone's like, Oh yeah, we should get Jack. But then Kyle's like problem with Jack is if he's here, he's so competitive, he's going to want to play for sure. That's and I'm like, true. you're totally right. Jack is going to want to be out here no matter what. But, oh,
1: he knows me too yeah. well. That's so I true. mean, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah.
0: But I want to be courteous to, as well to our call-on guest who are about to welcome in. Um, I'm going to give him a ring here. It's going to be a first-time guest on the MLW Pipe It Up podcast. And a lot of you guys probably do not know Trent. Trent Steffes is his name. I know Jack does not know him. Has never met him. Never met him, but Trent is, uh, as Kyle Schultz described, is a connoisseur of the wiffle ball community. Okay, um, Trent's a guy who's been following MLW for a very long time, and he's been in the wiffle ball community, this little niche community that exists in the United States um, for for I want to say around a decade, and uh, he's on the committee for actually you know kind of the administrative processes of the NWLA tournament, which we were at last weekend. I'm gonna give him a ring right now. Hello? Hey, Trent. How's it going?
2: Hey, good. Can you hear me all right?
0: Yeah, you sound great, man. Welcome to the show.
2: Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Not a problem. Not a problem. I gave uh, I gave our listeners a brief introduction of yourself. You know, I said that Kyle describes you as a connoisseur of the wiffle ball community. But I want to just let get, give you the chance to kind of introduce yourself and your involvement in the wiffle ball community.
2: Yeah, so... Um... First off, I'm a big fan of MLW. I have been for a long time, uh, ever since the good old days at, uh, at Colts Field. Um, but I am involved mostly in the Minnesota wiffle ball scene. I run a league called the Minnesota Wiffleball Association on Twitter, at Mini Wiffs. Um, and we are a fast-pitch indoor winter wiffle ball league, actually. And we play in a dome uh, here in the Twin Cities. And then uh, right after our f- season finishes – um we and uh mnwa by the way has been going we just celebrated our 10th uh season so we are going on year 11 this year um and then we have hr and then um right after our season ends we have the hrl twin cities which is very well known nationwide and i've been involved in hrl since about uh 2013 was my first year and then i started managing in 2016 and i've been heavily involved in that and then Ah, uh, beyond that, I played a little bit of SWBL, the Skibby Wiffle Ball League, down in Missouri, uh, and that is an interesting league because it's a it's a weekend tournament type of thing, um, and so they do a ten game season and playoffs all in one weekend, and so we're able we were able to make that work, you know, being from Minnesota, but uh, but I'm a full time participant of a Missouri Wiffle Ball League, so that's cool, um, but then nationally. I've been going to and been involved with running uh, the NWLA National Tournament since 2014, when we first went out to Columbus, Ohio, uh, to take part in that. And then um, last mm-hmm. year, we took part in the United Wiffleball Tournament, which is coming up next month.
0: Yep, yep. And MLW is going to be involved with the u s tournament as well, as you guys have may have seen in our social media. So yeah, talk about. Um, you know, I kind of gave a brief uh, rundown that we were at the NWLA tournament this weekend. So talk about kind of how you ended up on that, you know, committee and your, you know, your stepping stone into getting into that tournament.
2: Yes. Yeah, so back in the day, it was run by a guy named Chris Galloway, and he ran the Potomac Wiffle Ball League, which is based out of Washington, D.C. And he he got together with a bunch of the kind of like the who's who of wiffle ball at that time. And this is 2012 and, um, obviously not you guys, uh, but a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of, um, solidly around the nation and they got together and they, uh, decided, um, let's host this national tournament. But instead of like just inviting teams, we'll invite leagues and leagues can form these all-star teams or they can send a team from their league or whatever like that. And so there was like an original 12 leagues or so that got together in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And then, um, we decided to send a team in 2014 and at that point the process for applying for this tournament was really interesting because you had to fill out like this questionnaire and then the like your answers would be shared with all of the teams that were participating last year and then on a committee on like a call all of the managers would then vote to vote to see who they let in and we luckily were i think they had 3 I think they had 3 spots up that year and we got the second spot um behind Hudson Valley Wiffleball League and interestingly enough um the team that finished 4th and did not get a spot is the same league that just hosted this national tournament then known as Indy Southside Wiffleball. And so obviously they've had a very interesting path with the NWLA but then uh so we got chosen when out there in Ohio. And just really enjoyed it. And then after that, I just decided to get kind of involved with, uh, with the wiffle ball community a little bit more now that i would met so many people. And so that led to sort of podcasts. And then um, and the next year they introduced regionals. And so I was able to kind of uh, get get to kind of like flex the muscles a bit more at regionals and make a bit more noise there. And so it's, uh, we've just been going back ever since then we won our way in and we haven't really looked back ever since that. Uh, and we finished last place in 2018 and in 2019 and we haven't been back since then. But those last years I got involved with running the tournament because I really, you know, I loved this tournament. And to be honest, this tournament changed my life in a lot of good ways. Um, I count a number of best friends of mine that are wiffle ball players and all of them that I count as those best friends I met at NWLA tournament in 2014. Um, I'm talking about Zach Eustis, uh, Matt Peasert and Sam Skiddy, whom you guys are familiar with playing with them mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. And so now I have these lifelong friends. And so I feel like it's my duty to help give back because that's the experience that I want others to get. And that's kind of just my driving motivation is like, I take the good things that happen to me. And it's like, well, I have, well, this all, all these good things happen to me because I made connections at NWLA National Tournament. And so I wanted to just be a part of that and running it. And so, yeah, this is our, this is my, I think my third year on the committee Mm -hmm. and uh, my first year really being super involved with it, though. Because last year I wasn't able to attend due to an injury,
0: Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I actually, um, I like how you put it in the perspective of how like um, you know it led to a lot of great things in your life. Now it's kind of you feel it's your responsibility to try to provide um, that experience for others, which I think is super cool, and I relate with pretty closely. Um, The next thing I wanted to ask you because we get this question a lot from fans, you know, who message us on Instagram or Twitter or comment on YouTube, is you know how do I run a league or how do I run a tournament or I want to do this with my friends and this seems so cool. How do I do this or get involved? So you're clearly someone who has been involved in, you know, a lot of different leagues, different tournaments, um, i been on different committees. So what do you think the biggest challenge is, um, in running, you know, either a league or a tournament and getting one started?
2: I think that, um, it's a very, I, I like that question a lot. Um, I think that one thing that can get overlooked a lot is sort of this island mentality. And it used to happen a lot back when there wasn't really Twitter, there wasn't really Twitter culture in Wiffleball, it was all done on message boards. And you know, you would have these leagues pre, and also this is also pre-NWLA tournament, uh, when when you didn't really have leagues interacting with each other, and you know, you would just kind of see Wiffleball as just your league in your own little, uh, you know, Wiffleball world. And I see, I can see that a lot happening now too on Instagram. Like, uh, and I, I don't pay a ton of attention to it, to be honest. But, um, but I see it a lot. I've I've seen I've seen it many a times, and you know, I've even been a part of it. I, I, I had that island mentality myself, and it caused a lot of undue stress for me, to be honest. And so, I would say, embrace other leagues. Like, you're not competing with them, you know. Aside from a tournament, obviously. But we're all playing this backyard game. There's no reason to be combative with one another. We should help each other out. And by reaching out to leagues, and it's like, hey, if you notice, oh, here's a league in Michigan, well, I'm also in a league in Michigan. Maybe we can see if there's any sort of crossover. And so then you have guys trickling into other leagues and experiencing and growing the game. So just it, I would say if you're starting out, embrace, embrace the other people who have gone before you and even reach out because more often than not, they're going to be psyched that there's a new wiffle ball league because that's a whole new world that they can add to their network. And so uh, they're going to be probably willing to help you out in some capacity. So don't be afraid to embrace it.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great advice. I like that a lot. And it's unique to your perspectives. So being around so long when you talk about new leagues popping up and um, how things have changed and embracing others like what do you think, like, has maybe surprised you or you didn't see coming in, like, the last 10 years in this sport that, um, you know, has kind of changed the way you view the game?
2: I think the I think um, just the virality of it all, because back in the day, there was no way to get a wiffle ball highlight on Sports Center. You know, back in the mid 2000s, there was no Twitter where you could tweet them videos of your of your amazing wiffle ball plays. But then, starting in like 2014, when there was the advent of Twitter and everything, it, when Twitter really started to blow up, especially in the wiffle ball community, and Sports Center and other you know other sports out outlets like Bleacher Report and eventually Barstool and everything like that, they start getting into it, and so just social media evolved the game of wiffle ball just like the internet did back in the 90s because if you and if you you, there's a lot of there's a lot of people in wiffle ball who have been along who have been around longer than me and they they have that history going back to when there wasn't all of these national wiffle conglomerates or even the idea of a national wiffle conglomerate and so there was a huge revolution when the internet started because then people started going out of their way to search for wiffle ball and discovering wiffle ball, and then tournaments start happening like that. Uh, but I think the next step was social media, and even further from that, now we have TikTok and YouTube, where it's not just leagues going viral because of like one play; it's like consistently going viral and establishing these massive fan bases and even you know guys being able to make money off of Wiffleball. ball that was a pipe dream i've had like there's text conversations between sam Skibby and i like oh someday someone's going to be able to monetize Wiffleball. ball and we're living in that day with all of the with just the social media culture and so it's really cool to see how many doors have been opened due to these social media apps even further than before
0: Yeah, that's the great thing about social media is I think that, um, I don't know, it's hard to explain, I think, to certain people or certain generations, but I think the coolest thing about social media is because, like, to get on YouTube, you don't really need to be a wiffleball league, you don't need to be a, um, you know, a review channel, you don't need to be a sports channel, you don't need to be a vlogger, you can literally do whatever you would normally do in your free time, whatever you're passionate about. And if you can create some sort of content out of that, you can easily turn that into a career path for you and maybe others to come. As we've kind of seen with, like you said, the virality of Wiffleball and other leagues popping up, you know, there's a great chance in the future that there'll be a lot more leagues other than just MLW that may have, you know, large to massive fan bases.
2: Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse that there's really no gatekeeper when it comes to social media. But Mm -hmm. uh, like we're talking about, it certainly is a positive in that, um, you know, anybody who just picks up a wiffle ball bat, you could be seen possibly if something cool happens and so in, you know, lightning strikes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you hit it right on the head. So, um, this question actually comes from Jack Agner, who is kind of listening on this call. He's my co-host here on the pipe it up podcast, but, Wagner, um, yeah, yeah. He knows, he knows this Wagner, but I will be speaking for him here and he wanted to know, you know, being around ball so long and seeing, you know, other sports catch fire on social media, whether it's spike ball or other backyard sports that are similar, we've seen cornhole on ESPN. You know, what do you think makes ball a standout game and what's kind of made you gravitate towards it and stick with it for so long compared to these other backyard sports?
2: Yes, okay. So I think that what stands out for me is that, um, you know, uh, when you think of like cornhole and other of those sort of niche kind of backyard games, that's, those are really kind of recreational activities. And, you know, you can, everybody has played cornhole and everybody like knows how to play cornhole. It's relatively simple. You just kind of take it and throw it in there. But wiffle ball is a backyard game based on, you know, of America's pastime. And so I think it has this extra level of like, not just being, especially the way, you know, we all do it, You can do it in a way where it's not just a backyard game, but uh, but it really kind of amps up that level. And you know, in kind of going back to that cornhole thing, I know a lot of people. Every time, like ESPN, will roll out the Ocho and other stuff like that, and on a random Saturday and whatever month they're going to air the cornhole championships and other nonsense like that. And people go, "Why aren't they airing wiffle ball?" I honestly think that it's maybe because wiffle ball is like so familiar to people, but the way that it's like played can be so complicated. And so, uh, you know, like if you, if you watch a Twitch stream from a wiffle ball channel, every other question is how does, how does this work? How does this work? And so I think that that's maybe what's kind of holding it back from, becoming a huge kind of mainstream niche sport because i wouldn't even say it's really that mainstream like the ones that we talked about before uh but for me what stands out about it is just the fact that we can live out those childhood dreams you know that we all grew up and wanted to be you know in the world series playing for a national championship well now we can on a very smaller scale but it's still kind of that same feeling
0: yeah absolutely
2: what a great question from jack Swagner. (laughs)
0: thank you (laughs) he says thank you um, yeah, I agree. And it's, there's no question in my mind after being at the NWLA tournament a couple times now, um, you know, the intensity level is right there with any other major sports competition I've ever been a part of, whether it's, you know, high school baseball or travel baseball championships, that kind of thing. So, um, it gets pretty darn intense and it is awesome to see the competitive spirit live on and all these athletes, you know? So, Um, I want to ask you one more thing, and it's more specific to, you know, our league and our guys, but, um, you know, being around the game so long, and you've seen a lot of teams come through NWLA, or maybe your own league in Minnesota, or maybe down in Missouri with the Skibbies, um, what kind of stands out to you at a glance about MLW Wiffle Ball, and even more specifically about, you know, the national team that we brought with us down to uh, Indy this weekend? (coughs) Um. If anything... (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah what stands out what could po- what could you guys possibly be popular for um i think obviously what stands out for mlw is the production value of the videos but in terms of gameplay i think that one thing i really like is uh your guys' style of having to throw to first base it's not something you see a lot in Wiffleball. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this league, but there used to be a league out in New Jersey called FT Wiffle. They were pretty popular on YouTube and they played a very similar style. So I've always had like a special place in my heart for that style. And so that's what kind of stands out for you guys, kind of about as a, as a league for me. And then uh, for your national team, I just loved that it was like a cross section of the top talent in the league right now because we have... I mean, you guys literally had the top two MVP candidates on the same team, and one of them wasn't Kyle Schultz. So the, I think the M, the the All Star team you guys brought is just like super eye turning for any sort of MLW active fan because it's the best of the best. Like it's not just a it's not a team that you guys call the All Stars, and then you got whomever could come to come but you guys literally got the best players in your league and you guys really showed out and turned a lot of heads because you held a lead, you held a, you held a lead against an original franchise late in a double elimination game on Sunday. So, I mean, the fact that you guys could even do that uh, is pretty remarkable uh, for a second-year team that had a one-year hiatus. So, yeah, you guys definitely uh, turned some heads this year for sure.
0: Thanks, Trent. I uh, appreciate that, and I appreciate your time today. Um, and I wanted to share with you actually a pretty cool moment that you may not be aware of. So, believe it or not, um, when Kyle Schultz and I were 9 or 10 years old, um, the Schultzes already had a little you know garden fence up in the front yard of the Schultzes' house, where we would play you know kind of modified baseball. We'd have, you know, we had the bases out, we had a pitcher's mound, and then we would just use a metal bat and a tennis ball, so we didn't break anything. And then... One day we were, um, you know, on our family computer desktop and we stumbled across FT Whiffle. And that's actually how MLW was born, believe it or not.
2: Oh, my God. That's, I, that is so, I love it. I love that.
0: So that Dude, was the first. FT
2: Whiffle, that is like, I, the emotions I get watching the FT, like good, the all-time highlights video and when they shut the lights off at the end, the emotions I go through as a grown adult for this wiffle ball league. That's insane. I'm that, that I, Wow.
0: Yeah. Cool. So there well, you go. There, That's that, how I, re- you guys
2: are, you guys are clearly, uh, you guys are clearly living on that legacy. If I can blindly make that comparison. So congrats on that.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. We appreciate it. And we, we've, uh, we've been in contact with those guys too. So they know how much it meant to us. And it's cool to look back on that moment, you know, where I walked into um, you know, Mr. Schultz's little office that he has. And Kyle had the video on his computer and said, you know, we should do this in MOW and film our games. So, yeah, <laughs> come a long way and lot's changed since then. But um, it's just a cool little story I wanted to share with you. So, Trent, thanks again. Um, guys, if you want to find Trent on social media, Trent, um, go f- feel free to uh, plug yourself right now.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, on social media, I'm at Trent B, uh Trent, B-E-A-H. Um, and also, we are going to be doing another probably going to be doing an MLW playoff podcast for our Holy Commutes, which is coming back uh, next month for October Holy Commutes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Holy Commutes, Holy with a E. E. Uh, it's a wiffle ball centered morning show. And uh, for a month, like every other, every three months or so, uh, we give a full slate of shows every weekday morning. And so we will, my brother and I host on Wednesday mornings, and we will be devoting another show of ours to MLW and probably the playoff picture so keep an eye out for that
0: all right cool well thank you trent thanks again for uh coming on letting us interview you we appreciated it and i'm glad our fans got to know you and uh see you soon man thanks again
2: all right see you guys soon
0: oh jack what was your impressions of trent you never met him before but he's a, he's a great guy yeah no i've never met him but um
1: his voice sounds familiar for some reason. I don't know if he's ever called in. Definitely not in this podcast. But mm-hmm. um, I thought that interview was really insightful, really interesting. It's just so cool to hear, um, just an actual adult like talk about this stuff. You know, like it is a, mm-hmm. a childhood game, and like most of us are still young, but we are transitioning to into adulthood, and um, obviously still care a lot about this sport. And I just think it's so cool to hear someone his age so involved, um, so invested in the sport of wiffle ball. And I just I think that's that's part of the differentiating factor of wiffle ball, you know.
0: It's crazy the amount of time and effort that a lot of these guys um put in. You know, a lot of them have families um to look after and they're still spending a lot of time putting in all that effort. It was funny this weekend while we were out there in Indianapolis and I'm looking at this incredible field that kind of hosted nwla um it's called the dirt yard if you guys want to give it a, a google search i'm sure you'll see pictures of it it's the home of the circle city Wiffleball league and i'm thinking to myself like gosh this is like a full-time job maintaining this thing you know it's got a dirt infield the grass is all edged fences is incredible and i'm like forget the money this cost to build like how does anyone have time to you know do this yeah. kind of stuff and especially when you're older and have families and you know it As I met some more people throughout the weekend, I realized a lot of older guys in the Wiffle community that are still playing are teachers. So they have the summers off of work. And it made so much sense to me. I'm like, this all is kind of adding up now. If you guys are all teachers, no wonder you're so much free time in the summer.
1: Well, the age old saying, Tom, the three reasons why you become (laughs) a teacher, right? June July, and August. August. Yeah, yeah exactly. You so you know that.
0: Yeah, I know that. But yeah, it was funny to me that I never like put that together and then when I started hearing that more and more I was like this is kind of this is all making sense now.
1: How <laughs> people can right, do that. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, but Trent's a really cool guy. Um I have only met him, you know, like I said, twice in my life, but he's super supportive, um super friendly, and it makes sense now when he says like, "Oh, the reason I like to continue to do this and uh, why I'm passionate about it is to kind of provide others with the experience that I first had coming into it. Um, you know, I can see why he doesn't have an issue putting so much time and effort into it noise has a smile on his face. So that was super cool. But
1: Yeah, right. it's just about giving back, you know, just like anything, mm-hmm. leaving something better than you found it. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of his motivation too, is just he loves it and he loved it so much as a kid that um, he wants to provide those avenues for other people to experience it and, um, you know, cherish it the way that he does.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right,
0: well, let's wrap up the show real quickly today with a Q of the Day. Q, Q. Q. Q.
2: Of the Day.
0: Today's Q of the Day once again comes from Instagram. And if you want to submit your question of your own, please message us at pipe it up MLW. Um... This question is from Sean Trainer. His handle is S trainer 9. Trainer being T-R-A-Y-N-O-R. Thank you, Sean, for your question. He says, has there ever been a time where during a series, two or more players were arguing so much that you guys had to stop play for a little bit? I think that's kind of funny. And I wanted to ask you, Jack, about any bad blood you may have in MLW that maybe doesn't translate off the field, but on the field that can get a little heated. Do you have any experiences like that?
1: Um, the only thing I'll say, I don't know if it ever got to the point where we had to like stop playing. But, um, and I don't even really care if he hears this because I would say this to his face. Mm-hmm. But when I played on the Predators, I think this is partly what makes them good and also sometimes what makes them bad when they're in rough patches. But similar to myself, um, Brandon Russell has a way of just thinking that he's I don't know I don't want to say he thinks he's right all the time but he loves like giving tips okay you know what I'm saying like yeah he's like he'll give you tips on everything like he'll he was like giving Warda uh, like pitching tips like when we were when I would play and it was like just me Russell and Ward and we're struggling on the mound back mm-hmm. in the day like Pacific Predators and Russell's like trying to give him tips and stuff yeah and it's like A lot of the stuff that he said, I will say, like, was good. He is a smart guy and he's a smart player. And at the end of the day, all he was looking to do was help our team compete. But -hmm. there were a lot of times where I was, like, in my head, kind of like, all right, man, like, I don't, you know, you're 0 for 4 too. Like, we both (laughs) haven't hit a ball. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really need your, like, hitting tips right now. Like, I'm just kind of trying to focus up and, like, do what I can do. Mm -hmm. But never to the point, really, where it was like, you know, a loud argument or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I like how you mentioned, like, the, the inner team, uh, you know, the turmoil. Because that, that happens at every level. You see guys in baseball in the dugouts fighting around the sidelines from their own teammates start scuffling. Right. Kyle and I just, we didn't we weren't fighting. I was, like, literally laughing while I was saying this to him because it was just frustrating. But while I was, before I, actually this was after, this is in the last game of the tournament, Um, this starting pitcher was kind of dicing me up at the plate and I kept getting down in the count. And I was still taking my big daddy hacks, but I was not connecting. And there was like two at bats in a row, where I chased a pitch that was like in the dirt. It was like a drop ball, curve ball kind of thing, where I was down on the couch trying to protect, and swung and missed that pitch that didn't hit the strike zone. And the first time, Kyle was like, "Ah, oh, time lay off of that." And then the second time, he's like, "Dude, lay off of that." And I'm like, what? I looked at him, I was laughing, I was like, "What do you want me to do?" He's like, "Don't," <laughs> he's like, "Don't swing at it." And I'm like, "Yeah, thank you. I know it was a ball, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing." But it was just we were just having fun. And then I'm trying to think. I've done a similar that's thing. That's the thing.
1: Sometimes you just like see something like that. Like I've done that but too. Like I'm I'm not like blaming Russell. Like I've been guilty no, of it too. Just, where like someone will do that, that exact same thing and I'll be like, Hey, like let that one go. And they're like, Yeah, like
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. thanks for the Captain advice. Obvious. Like, it Would have been like nice if
1: I let that go. It's like when you're, sta- you're and sh- then I'll go up there and swing at a <laughs> slider that's four feet over the strike zone. You know what I mean? Like and then I'm just like, All right, what am I oh, Well,
0: yeah. it's like standing in the right fielder from the dugout, you're like, Come on, man, just throw some strikes here yeah. Just like oh, look I'm over. great. I just, uh, I just, I
1: love saying, just throw strikes. So funny, man. Love so funny. That.
0: But um, yeah, I think against an opposing team, I don't really have any bad blood with anybody. Um, definitely not to the point of like separation or anything like that. But it's funny, me and Daniel, when we were younger, especially like when I came back 2017-18, like we're like best buds off the field but on the field, man, it'd get pretty intense. Like, we would not be talking during those series. And, like, afterwards, a couple of days, it'd be a little rough, I felt like. But obviously, I obviously see that. Dan, never, is a, Dan is an
1: underrated, fiery character. Well,
0: plus I had my sure. teammates, like, who are my friends, like kind of, like, talking trash during the game. So, like, I didn't tell them to right. stop. Obviously, they're getting in his head. I'm going to let them. But, and Daniel was young. Right. You know, we were only 18, so Daniel was 15, 16. So, um, yeah, it's just pretty funny. But it's it's all in good fun in MLW so far, at least. All in good uh, fun. All in good fun. But, um. At these, at these uh, there was some scuffles at NWLA. There were scuffles. Really? Yes. There was a team, plenty of trash talking. Most of it obviously gets let go. I have guys heckling me, and the funny thing is about me is, you know me, I'm actually a pretty introverted person, but I'm not really a social butterfly or anything like that. But out there, I, I am pretty social, partially because, um, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people are watching us because we do have a bigger national spotlight and people are trying to like, get to know us kind of thing. Not really to, like throw anyone off, but literally the whole time I'm out there just chatting and like there was guys like yapping while I was pitching and while I was hitting, I would literally like joke around with them and talk about how bad I was right to their face, and that seemed to like make them like me more. I don't know, not like I was trying to get them to like me or anything. I was being myself and trying to have fun, but yeah. Like there was guys, we played a team who when we were leaving, by the way, they were saying like we actually really enjoyed playing you guys and you guys are a great group of people. But when we first got there, we were playing a team called Leroy Whiffle. They were older dudes. And they were like, yeah, super heckling me in the box. And then while I was pitching, and I, I got to, I got to the plate, and and they were like, they were bringing the outfielders in when I was hitting, and I was like, I was like, what are you doing, man? I was like, yeah, put him at the warning track. I'm about to jack this ball. And then he kind of like made a snarky comment at me. I was like, obviously, I was kidding around. And then the very first pitch, it was like way over my head, and I swung at it. And then we all just started like busting out laughing. Like it was all good fun. And then yeah. I was pitching against them too, and um. They were like surprised. I threw like a couple good pitches in a row. Like I had like two nice, like crisp, those like fast slur balls I was talking about, and then I struck the guy out on like a drop ball. Like I throw an MLW, and they were like, "Oh wow!" And I looked at him. I was like, "You know, I used to be pretty good at this back in my heyday." And <laughs> they're all kind of laughing, kind of thing. So, I don't know. That's kind of <laughs> my. I like to just chat it up, especially with the older guys, and let them know like I'm not there to. Oh, we're better than you and all that stuff. I literally joke about how bad I am in the middle of the game, so that's kind of my my play style. If you want want to talk trash about me, I'm going to say worse stuff about myself just to make you feel like you can't upset me. (laughs) Right,
1: right. As soon as they insult you and then you insult yourself, it's kind of like, all right, where do we go from here now? Mm -hmm. Like, you kind of just beat them at that point.
0: Yeah, there was one point where, like I said, we had no arms; that we were dead. And in that game, we are getting blown out, and I had just pitched the night before and in the morning again against that Leroy team. And then I had to go in against the good team where I hit the home runs off of. And I had thrown, like, eight or nine balls in a row. And then someone from the dugout was like, all right, be smart here. And then I was like, from the mound, I was like, he means swing at everything. Like, I just mess with people <laughs> like that. So, I don't know. But, yeah. So, in short, to answer the question of the day, Yes, there's been some beef between players among players, but nothing too serious. You agree with that, Jack? No,
1: no. Always a good, good, uh, good platform to chirp whenever you're playing. Oh yeah, come on,
0: that's all good. Shout out, Drew. Chirp playing against anybody like talking trash. That's part of like having fun. You know what I mean? And yeah, obviously there's a line you can cross, but I mean, it's just like I don't know. To me, it's like nothing's that serious. I don't know.
1: Yeah, the one I was gonna say real quick. The one time where I actually thought Drew might do something more than just use his words was when we were playing them and we oh. had that play out of last play ball. year that with the out-of-bounds. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> and it, it went from us, it went from the inning being over to not only it not being over, but to us actually scoring a run yep. because the ball had gone out of play. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the rule. it was correct how we called or made the correction yes but i know why drew was just so frustrated and it's just like it's tough to be in those spots because we are out here like trying to have fun but we are all so competitive and it was mm-hmm. such a turn of events where he thought they had done a great job and it turns out that we had actually scored a run
0: yeah that and was tough. uh so i i definitely
1: felt for drew at that point
0: but oh yeah i mean it gets he did i get upset out there we all get upset out there but we we'll try to keep it light, try to have a good time, and uh, yeah, we just keep it pushing. So um, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time I think in the history of the history, we talked about nothing besides wiffle ball today. So I guess we yeah, really are with a wiffle ball podcast. I didn't know that was possible, but we did it, Jack. Next week we'll be discussing food, movies, singing, and sleep schedules. No wiffle ball next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but well, thank you guys for tuning in again, and we will uh, catch you next time. Go Lions! Go Lions, baby! Beat the pack! There's no other R. There's no yeah. other R. Meanwhile, they're gonna hear this, and they are gonna see the 45 to 10 lost lines are about to take.
1: Yeah, I know. Whatever. <laughs>